Chapter Five of Izzy Popinjoy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Izzy Popinjoy by Anthony Trollope. Chapter Five. Miss Tallowax is shown the house. The dean took his aunt over to Manor Cross in his brougham. The dean's brougham was the neatest carriage in Brotherton very much more so than the bishop's family carriage. It was, no doubt, generally to be seen with only one horse, and neither the bishop or Mrs. Barton ever stirred without two. But then one horse is enough for town work, and that one horse could lift his legs and make himself conspicuous, in a manner of which the bishop's rather sorry jades knew nothing. On this occasion, as the journey was long, there were two horses, hired, but nevertheless the brougham looked very well as it came up the long Manor Cross Avenue. Miss Tallowax became rather frightened as she drew near to the scene of her coming grandeur. Henry, she said to her nephew, they will think so little of me. My dear aunt, replied the dean, in these days a lady who has plenty of money of her own can hold her head up anywhere. The dear old marchioness will think quite as much of you as you do of her. What perhaps struck Miss Tallowax most at the first moment was the plainness of the ladies' dresses. She herself was rather gorgeous in a shot silk gown and a fashionable bonnet crowded with flowers. She had been ashamed of the splendor of the article as she put it on, and yet had been ashamed also of her ordinary daily headgear. But when she saw the marchioness, and especially when she saw Lady Sarah, who was altogether strange to her, she wished that she had come in her customary black gown. She had heard something about Lady Sarah from her niece, and had conceived an idea that Lady Sarah was the dragon of the family. But when she saw a little woman, looking almost as old as herself, though in truth the one might have been the other's mother, dressed in an old brown merino with the slightest morsel of white collar to be seen round her neck, she began to hope that the dragon would not be very fierce. "'I hope you like Brotherton, Miss Tallowax,' said Lady Sarah. "'I think I have heard that you were here once before.' "'I like Brotherton very much, my lady.' Lady Sarah smiled as graciously as she knew how. "'I came when they first made Henry Dean.' a long time ago now it seems but he had then not had the honour of knowing your mamma or the family it wasn't long before we did know him said the marchioness then miss tallowax turned round and again curtsied with her head and shoulders the dean at this moment was not in the room having been withdrawn from the ladies by his son-in-law at the front door but as luncheon was announced the two men came in lord george gave his arm to his wife's great-aunt and the dean followed with the marchioness. "'I really am most ashamed to walk out before her ladyship,' said Miss Tallowax, with a slight attempt at laughing at her own ignorance. But Lord George rarely laughed at anything, and certainly did not know how to treat pleasantly such a subject as this. "'It's quite customary,' he said very gravely. The lunch was much more tremendous to Miss Tallowax than had been the dinner at the deanery. Though she was ignorant, ignorant at any rate of the ways of such people as those with whom she was now consorting, she was by no means a stupid old woman. She was soon able to perceive that in spite of the old merino gown, it was Lady Sarah's spirit that quelled them all. At first there was very little conversation. Lord George did not speak a word. The Marchioness never exerted herself. Poor Mary was cowed and unhappy. 
the dean made one or two little efforts but without much success lady sarah was intent upon her mutton chop which she finished to the last shred turning it over and over in her plate so that it should be economically disposed of looking at it very closely because she was short-sighted but when the mutton chop had finally done its duty she looked up from her plate and gave evident signs that she intended to take upon herself the weight of the conversation all the subsequent ceremonies of the lunch itself the little tarts and the jelly and the custard pudding she despised altogether regarding them as wicked additions one pudding after dinner she would have allowed but nothing more of that sort it might be all very well for parvenu millionaires to have two grand dinners a day but it could not be necessary that the germains should live in that way even when the dean of brotherton and his aunt came to lunch with them i hope you like this part of the country miss tallowax she said as soon as she had deposited her knife and fork over the bone manor cross is quite splendid my lady said miss tallowax it is an old house and we shall have great pleasure in showing you what the people call the state-rooms we never use them of course you know the house belongs to my brother and we only live here because it suits him to stay in italy that's the young marquis my lady yes my elder brother is marquis of brotherton but i cannot say that he is very young he is two years my senior and ten years older than george but i think he's not married yet asked miss tallowask the question was felt to be disagreeable by them all poor mary could not keep herself from blushing as she remembered how much to her might depend on this question of her brother-in-law's marriage lord george felt that the old lady was inquiring what chance there might be that her grandniece should ever become a marchioness old lady brotherton who had always been anxious that her elder son should marry felt uncomfortable as did also the dean conscious that all there must be conscious how important must be the matter to him no said lady sarah with stately gravity my elder brother is not yet married if you would like to see the rooms miss tallowax i shall have pleasure in showing you the way the dean had seen the rooms before and remained with the old lady lord george who thought very much of everything affecting his own family joined the party and mary felt herself compelled to follow her husband and her aunt the two younger sisters also accompanied lady sarah this is the room in which queen elizabeth slept said lady sarah entering a large chamber on the ground floor in which there was a four-post bedstead almost as high as the ceiling and looking as though no human body had profaned it for the last three centuries dear me said miss tallowax almost afraid to press such sacred boards with her feet queen elizabeth did she really now some people say she never did actually come to manor cross at all said the conscientious lady amelia but there is no doubt that the room was prepared for her laws said miss tallowax who began to be less afraid of distant royalty now that a doubt was cast on its absolute presence examining the evidence as closely as we can said lady sarah with a savage glance at her sister i am inclined to think that she certainly did come we know that she was at brotherton in fifteen hundred eighty two and there exists the letter in which sir humphrey germain as he was then is desired to prepare rooms for her i myself have no doubt on the subject after all it does not make much difference said mary i think it makes all the difference in the world said lady susanna 
that piece of furniture will always be sacred to me because i believe it did once afford rest and sleep to the gracious majesty of england it do make a difference certainly said miss tallowax looking at the bed with all her eyes does anybody ever go to bed here now nobody ever said lady sarah now we will go through to the great dining hall that's the portrait of the first earl painted by kneller said lady amelia proudly oh indeed said miss tallowax there is some doubt as to that said lady sarah i have found out that sir godfrey kneller was only born in sixteen forty eight and as the first earl died a year or two after the restoration i don't know that he could have done it it was always said that it was painted by kneller said lady amelia there has been a mistake i fear said lady sarah oh indeed said miss tallowax looking up with intense admiration at a very ill-drawn old gentleman in armour then they entered the state dining-room or hall and miss tallowax was informed that the room had not been used for any purpose whatever for very many years and such a beautiful room said miss tallowax with much regret the fact is i believe that the chimney smokes horribly said lord george i never remember a fire here said lady sarah in very cold weather we have a portable stove brought in just to preserve the furniture this is called the old ballroom dear me ejaculated miss tallowax looking round at the faded yellow hangings we did have a ball here once said lady amelia when brotherton came of age i can just remember it has it never been used since asked mary never said lady sarah sometimes when it's rainy we walk up and down for exercise it is a fine old house but i often wish that it were smaller i don't think people want rooms of this sort now as much as they used to do perhaps a time may come when my brother will make manor cross gay again but it is not very gay now i think that is all miss tallowax it's very fine very fine indeed said miss tallowax shivering then they all trooped back into the morning-room which they used for their daily life the old lady when she had got back into the brougham with her nephew the dean was able to express her mind freely i wouldn't live in that house henry not if they was to give it me for nothing they'd have to give you something to keep it up with and not then neither of course it's all very well having a bed that queen elizabeth slept in or didn't sleep in i teach myself to believe she did but dear me that isn't everything it nearly gave me the horrors to look at it room after room room after room and nobody living in any of them people can't live in more than a certain number of rooms at once aunt then what's the use of having them and don't you think for the daughters of a marchioness they are all a little what you'd call dowdy they don't go in for dress much why my jemima at home when the dirty work is done is twice smarter than lady sarah and henry don't you think they're a little hard upon mary hard upon her how the dean had listened to the old woman's previous criticisms with a smile but now he was interested and turned sharply round to her how hard moping her up there among themselves and it seemed to me they snubbed her whenever she spoke the dean had not wanted his aunt's observations to make him feel this the tone of every syllable addressed to his girl had caught his ear he had been pleased to marry her into so good a family he had been delighted to think that by means of his prosperity in the world his father's granddaughter might probably become a peeress 
but he certainly had not intended that even for such a reward as that his daughter should become submissive to the old maids at Manor Cross. Foreseeing something of this, he had stipulated that she should not have a house of her own in London, but half her time would probably be spent in the country, and with reference to that half of her time it would be necessary that she should be made to understand that as the wife of Lord George she was in no respect inferior to his sister's and that in some respects she was their superior i don't see the good of living in a big house continued miss tallowax if all the time everything is to be as dull as dull they are older than she is you know poor little dear i always did say that young folk should have young folk about them of course it's a great thing for her to have a lord for her husband but he looks the most too old himself for such a pretty darling as your mary he's only thirty-three it's in the looks i suppose because he's so grand but it's that lady sarah puzzles me it isn't in her looks and yet she has it all her in own way well i like going there and i'm glad i've been but i don't know as i shall ever want to go again then there was silence for some time but as the brougham was driven into brotherton miss tallowax spoke again i don't suppose an old woman like me can ever be of any use and you'll always be at hand to look after her. But if ever she should want an outing just to raise her spirits, old as I am, I think I could make it brighter for her than it is there. The dean took her hand and pressed it, and then there was no more said. When the brougham was driven away, Lord George took his wife for a walk in the park. She was still struggling hard to be in love with him, never owning failure to herself and sometimes assuring herself that she had succeeded altogether now when he asked her to come with him she put on her hat joyfully and joined her hands over his arm as she walked away with him into the shrubbery she's a wonderful old woman is not she george not very wonderful of course you think she's vulgar i didn't say so no you're too good to say so because she's papa's aunt but she's very good don't you think she's very good i dare say she is i don't know that i run into superlatives quite so much as you do she has brought me such a handsome present i could not show it you before them all just now and it only came down from london this morning she did not say a word about it before look here then she slipped her glove off and showed him a diamond ring you should not wear that out of doors i only put it on to show you wasn't it good of her young people of rank ought to wear nice things she said as she gave it to me wasn't it an odd thing for her to say and yet i understood her lord george frowned thinking that he also understood the old woman's words and reminding himself that the ladies of rank at manor cross never did wear nice things don't you think it was nice of course she is entitled to make you a present if she pleases it pleased me george i dare say and as it doesn't displease me all is well you however have quite sense enough to understand that in this house more is thought of 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 he would have said blood but that he did not wish to hurt her more is thought of personal good conduct than of rings and jewels rings and jewels and personal conduct may go together mayn't they of course they may and very often do you won't think my 
personal conduct will be injured because I wear my aunt's ring. When Lord George made his allusion to personal conduct, one of her two hands dropped from his arm, and now, as she repeated the words, there was a little sting of sarcasm in her voice. I was intending to answer your aunt's opinion that young people ought to wear nice things. No doubt there is at present a great rage for rich ornaments and costly dress, and it was of these she was thinking when she spoke of nice things. When I spoke of personal conduct being more thought of here, I intended to imply that you had come into a family not given to rich ornaments and costly dress. My sisters feel that their portion in this world is assured to them without such outward badges, and wish that you should share the feeling. This was a regular sermon, and to Mary's thinking was very disagreeable, and not at all deserved. Did her husband really mean to tell her that, because his sisters chose to dress themselves down in the country like dowdy old maids whom the world had deserted, she was to do the same up in London? The injustice of this on all sides struck home to her at the moment. They were old, and she was young. They were plain, she was pretty. They were poor, she was rich. They didn't feel any wish to make themselves what she called nice. She did feel a very strong wish in that direction. They were old maids, she was a young bride. And then what right had they to domineer over her, and to send word to her through her husband of their wishes as to her manner of dressing? She said nothing at the moment, but she became red, and began to feel that she had power within her to rebel at any rate against her sisters-in-law. There was silence for a moment or so, and then Lord George reverted to the subject. "'I hope you can sympathize with my sisters,' he said. He had felt that the hand had been dropped, and had understood something of the reason. She wished to rebel against them, but by no means wished to oppose him. She was aware, as though by instinct, that her life would be very bad indeed, should she fail to sympathize with him. It was still the all-paramount desire of her heart to be in love with him but she could not bring herself to say that she sympathized with them in this direct attack that was made on her own mode of thought of course they are a little older than i am she said hoping to get out of the difficulty and therefore the more entitled to consideration i think you will own that they must know what is and what is not becoming to a lady do you mean said she hardly able to choke a rising sob that they have anything to find fault within me? I have said nothing as to finding fault, Mary. Do they think that I do not dress as I ought to do? Why should you ask such a question as that? I don't know what else I am to understand, George. Of course I will do anything that you tell me. If you wish me to make any change, I will make it. But I hope they won't send me messages through you. I thought you would have been glad to know that they interested themselves about you. In answer to this, Mary pouted, but her husband did not see the pout. Of course they are anxious that you should become one of them. We are a very united family. I do not speak now of my elder brother, who was in a great measure separated from us, 
and is of a different nature. But my mother, my sisters, and I have very many opinions in common. We live together and have the same way of thinking. Our rank is high and our means are small, but to me blood is much more than wealth. We acknowledge, however, that rank demands many sacrifices, and my sisters endeavor to make those sacrifices most conscientiously. A woman more thoroughly devoted to good works than Sarah I have never even read of. If you will believe this, you will understand what they mean, and what I mean, when we say that here, at Manor Cross, we think more of personal conduct than of rings and jewels. You wish, Mary, to be one of us, do you not? She paused for a moment, and then she answered, I wish to be always one with you. He almost wanted to be angry at this, but it was impossible. To be one with me, dearest, he said, you must be one also with them. I cannot love them as I do you, George. That, I am sure, is not the meaning of being married. Then she thought of it all steadily for a minute, and after that made a further speech. And I don't think I can quite dress like them. I am sure you would not like it if I did. As she said this, she put her second hand back upon his arm. He said nothing further on the subject till he had brought her back to the house, walking along by her side almost mute, not quite knowing whether he ought to be offended with her or to take her part. It was true that he would not have liked her to look like Lady Sarah, but he would have liked her to make some approach in that direction, sufficient to show submission. He was already beginning to fear the absence of all control which would befall his young wife in that London life to which she was to be so soon introduced, and was meditating whether he could not induce one of his sisters to accompany them. As to Sarah, he was almost helpless. Amelia would be of little or no service, though she would be more likely to ingratiate herself with his wife than the others. Susanna was less strong than Sarah, and less amiable than Amelia, and then, how would it be if Mary were to declare that she would rather begin the campaign without any of them? The young wife, as soon as she found herself alone in her own bedroom, sat down and resolved that she would never allow herself to be domineered by her husband's sisters. She would be submissive to him in all things, but his authority should not be delegated to them. End of chapter 5